Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I have a very special guest with me, Miss Vanessa Marin. And we are going to be discussing reigniting the spark in the bedroom. So let me tell you a little bit about Vanessa before we dive into this very juicy topic today. Vanessa Marin is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sex therapy. She's here to help you stop feeling embarrassed about sex and start having way more fun in the bedroom. She has bachelor's degrees in human sexuality and sociology from Brown University and a master's degree in counseling psychology. She writes for the New York Times, Allure, and Lifehacker, and has been featured over a thousand times in major publications like O, The Oprah Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, Refinery29, and Real Simple. Vanessa specializes in online programs that help you transform your sex life from ordinary to extraordinary, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Through courses like The Passion Project, A Couple's Blueprint to Rediscovering Desire and Reigniting the Spark, and finishing school, learning how to orgasm, she finds immense joy in spreading the message that we all deserve more from our sex lives. But welcome to the show, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Finally. Yes. <laughs> um, so before we dive in, I'm going to ask you our signature question that I love to ask all of our guests. Uh, will you please tell our listeners what your superpowers are? Ooh. Oh, I can list multiple? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the S on the end of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I would say definitely my major superpower is helping people feel comfortable talking about sex. Uh, I know it's a tricky topic for most of us, and I think that that's um, one of my gifts is that I'm able to help set people at ease and just feel more comfortable talking about it. And then I, I would also say I really love giving people practical tools for working on their sex life too. So I think talking about sex is where we all have to start. It's so integral, so crucial, but we also need to know specific things to do to start working towards the sex life that we want to have. And so I really enjoy that aspect of it as well, um, coming up with practical solutions for people and giving them really tactical advice. Yeah, I love that. It's super important. Why do you think it is that it's so hard for us to talk about sex. We're just not given any practice at it, any good role models around it. Um, and we're given so much shame and embarrassment. Yeah. So, you know, really the only times that we do talk about sex are in really negative contexts. I'm um, talking about, you know, what's not allowed, what we're not supposed to do, that will be bad if we do this or that. Um, you know, we have, <laughs> there's an extremely long history of, of sexual shame and people being, you know, made to feel terrible about being sexual beings. So yeah, we're just not really given any opportunities to do it. And why is it important? I mean, obviously I'm asking this for our listeners. <laughs> why? <laughs> yes, why I'm sure you understand. <laughs> is it important for us to be able to talk about sex? Because our sexuality is such an integral part of who we are and how we express ourselves and how we love. Um, it's so, so integral. And so, you know, if something is such a big part of us, but we feel like we can't even talk about it, you know, where does that leave us? So I think the communication is the most foundational part of having a healthy relationship with our own sexuality. Yeah. So I agree with you. So when we're talking about reigniting the spark in the bedroom, I mean, 
let's be honest, when we've, when we've been with a partner for a while, things can get stale in the bedroom, right? We, we have like our routines that we fall into, we have, um, or fall out of. There's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where this came from, but I remember when my husband and I were in couples therapy back right after my daughter was born and we were like, we we're like on the verge of divorce, right? It was sleep deprived, fueled <laughs> divorce. Um, but I, we learned that the hormones that really fuel a relationship, they only last a year and a half. I'm not quite sure where that number came from, but this was, a, this was something that our therapist shared with us. Mm-hmm. So it's like after that year and a half mark, when you're in that really exciting like hormone-fueled experience, you kind of have to artificially create mm-hmm. an environment that will spark and ignite passion. You can't just rely on it just sort of being there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, because we don't talk about sex that openly, you know, we're left with so many sort of stereotypes about how things are supposed to work. And those beliefs can really end up getting in our way. So I think most of us, we talk about relationships as if we're supposed to have this perfect, amazing chemistry with somebody right from the get go. And that chemistry is just supposed to sustain itself throughout the entire duration of the relationship. And if that chemistry flags at all, if you start struggling with your sex life, it doesn't feel like the passion is there. Most people think that's a sign that you're not really compatible, that this isn't the right person for you. So I think it's really important for us to recognize that that chemistry, first of all, it doesn't just spontaneously occur and it doesn't just spontaneously and magically sustain itself throughout the course of a relationship. Chemistry is something that we actively have to work on. So yes, you know, it can definitely feel easier in the beginning of a relationship because things are new and it feels, you know, novel and exciting, but it's something that requires a lot of active ongoing effort. So that really is the first step is just recognizing this is not going to happen on its own. If this is something that's important to me to have a relationship that feels passionate and very intimate, it's something that I have to work on and that we have to work on together. And I, I I feel like that is such an important piece to just, I want to like magnify and explode that out into the world and just make a big (laughs) banner sign that like Uh normal, it is normal for this to occur. It is normal to have to actually put some effort and focus Mm -hmm. into, into creating passion in your relationship that it's not going to just create itself. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that it actually ends up being a way that we really distance ourselves from our sexuality. It's like, oh, it's just supposed to be something that kind of happens over there magically and spontaneously rather than I want to own my sexuality and take responsibility for it and explore it and play with it and figure out, you know, what I need to keep my desire revved up, to have fun in the bedroom, to feel really connected and intimate with my partner. So it's, you know, I know sometimes when I first start talking to clients, they're like, oh my God, this sounds like a lot of work and why can't it just happen? That sounds a lot better. But I try to share with them, like, this is a really incredible and beautiful opportunity to grow as individuals and as a relationship. If you recognize that we have so much power and so much agency here and we can really get to explore ourselves and each other in a way that can feel so amazing. Yes. And I really do believe that relationship in its highest form, it allows us to push through because in order to do that work, right, we have to, we have to push through discomfort within us. We have mm-hmm. to, we have to grow ourselves. We have to go into places that might feel a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
And yet when we push beyond them, it is magical and it is passionate and it is incredible what, what can occur on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we are going to talk more about how to do that. We are going to go into a quick break. Before we go to break, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work? Yes, I would love to connect with any of your listeners. You can find me on vmtherapy.com. It's V-M-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. That's my website. I have a ton of free guides that are available there. You can sign up for our weekly emails. We send out emails every week with free tips and practical advice and suggestions. And then you can also find me on social media, um, my favorite platform at the moment is Instagram, and I'm at Vanessa Marin Therapy over there. Um, I do daily stories with different fun tips, and my husband comes on and we do stories together. So it's a great way to connect with me in either one of those places. Awesome. Thank you. So we are talking with Vanessa Marin about reigniting the spark in the bedroom more when we get back. So stay tuned. This is going to be a really good episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. All right, we are back. So, Let's talk a little bit about, just for starters, why, why things go stale in the bedroom. Like why, why that kind of, why it's something that we have to work on. Yeah, so there are a lot of a lot of different reasons, a lot of ways that things can go off the rails. But I think one of the biggest culprits is just that we get very comfortable with our routines. And we start, you know, human beings are really good at um, efficiency. You know, if we're doing something over and over again, we figure out an efficient way to, to just get it done as quickly <laughs> as possible. And I think we do that with our sex lives too. You know, we start to figure right. out, okay, this is kind of the bare minimum of what we need to do to get the job done. And so this, you know, huge realm of possibility that we have all these different ways that we could connect with each other in the bedroom, it just becomes very, very, very narrow. And I'm kind of laughing along with this because I've definitely been guilty of this myself, that, you know, you, you get to a certain point in your sex life where it's like, okay, for us, sex means we're making out for maybe 30 seconds. Maybe there's a couple of clumsy gropes over the clothing. And then, you know, if we're a male-female partnership, we're going into intercourse for about five minutes. And, and that's, you know, that's it, you know. Um, so we just, you know, we get this very narrow um, understanding of like what sex can be. And we just repeat that over and over again. And right. And then you've checked the box that like, okay, and we, yes, have exactly. Yeah. We've done it. Yeah. Now we can kind of, you know, settle <laughs> down for the next week or two weeks or, you know, however long we think we're supposed to um, go between having sex. Um, so yeah, it just becomes something that is not very exciting. So I, I often ask couples, you know, let's, let's take a look at the sex that you're having right now. Is that sex that 
is craveable. Like, would it make any sense for you to really crave that, really desire that and have a lot of fun with that? And a lot of couples realize, oh man, we have turned sex into something that doesn't feel very exciting for either one of us. Yeah. And so how do you get out of that? There are lots of lots of different things we can do here as well, but definitely one of the major ones kind of going along with what I was just saying is we've got to break out of that really narrow def- definition that we've uh, gotten ourselves into and start to recognize that we can do a lot more with our sex lives. So super practically, one thing that you can do is spend more time with your, with your partner, spend more time on intimacy. So like I said, a lot of couples that, you know, we've got it narrowed down to this maximum efficiency of like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and we're done. What would it be like to give yourself even 10 or 15 extra minutes? So you don't feel like you're just barreling down that exact same path that you always do, but maybe spend a few more minutes um, doing different things with each other. Um, Sometimes when I'm working with heterosexual couples, I'll tell them to ban themselves from having intercourse for a short period of time. So it really forces you to get creative and see, okay, what are other things that we can do together? Um, another great thing that you can do is, is sort of reminisce about your favorite sexual memories together. You know, what was it like in the more passionate periods of your relationship? Maybe it was at the beginning, maybe it was at a different point, but sort of look at like, what did sex look like between the two of us? Um, and a lot of times it's also kind of going beyond the bedroom as well. So maybe it was in the beginning of our relationship, we used to be really flirty with each other all day long. We were sending text messages back and forth or naughty pictures, you know, and it felt like sex was something that we did outside of the bedroom too. Um, so yeah, I just gave a, a bunch of different ideas there, but those are, you know, definitely some of the great things to get started with. Yeah. Or even quite literally having sex outside of the bedroom. I think sometimes yes, like, absolutely taking it to a different place, taking it to a different room. It's like you, if you change your environment, then you, mm-hmm. you kind of can, you change your routine because you don't have all of the same stimuli around you that are reminding you and how you have the same neural absolutely. pathways carved. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of times people get really nervous. You know, we've all heard this, the advice that we need to spice things up in the bedroom. And I think people get really nervous about that because they automatically leap to something that's wildly different from like their BDSM. current sex life. Like, oh my gosh, well, I don't want to have a threesome or I don't want to have my partner whip me and tie me up. Right. But it's really, you know, the smallest changes that we can make. What if you have sex at a slightly different time of the day? What if you have sex with more lights on or less lights on? What if you try a different position? It doesn't need to be at a you know dramatic change not like there's anything wrong with the dramatic change that can be fun too but we don't need to get ourselves so psyched up about oh my god it's gonna I'm gonna have to do all these things different that I've never done before yeah one thing that um I know I'm really enjoying right now I mean it helps that I'm pregnant because when you're pregnant your hormones are off the charts and you want to have sex (laughs) all the time at least that's my experience my second pregnancy and it was like that both times um but one thing that I am absolutely loving exploring with my husband is the 30-day sex challenge, ah, uh-huh. which for me, I mean, you know, I've, I've heard a number of different people talk about it. I don't even know actually where it came from, like who, who was the first one to think it up. But, um, but it's been amazing to me to, to give ourselves that space And you would think that it's like, wow, that's like a lot of sex, right? To have sex (laughs) every day for 30 days in a row. Um, But it's been so incredible, the spaces that have opened up 
and the tenderness that has opened up between mm-hmm. the two of us with with this Absolutely. and and how now it's like if if we have sex like first thing in the morning and then not again the next day until really late at night it's like it feels like it's been a really long time yeah <laughs> <gasps> yeah i actually have a 30 day sex challenge that we have available on our website and i do it with my husband pretty frequently because it's just a nice little fun way to refresh but i think that there's definitely a very interesting kind of inertia that comes into play with our sex lives that the more often we have sex, the easier it feels to just keep having sex. You just get into that pattern. Um, and then on the other hand, the longer that we go without having sex, the harder it feels to get back in the saddle again. Yes. So I'm not saying that you know everyone needs to have sex every single day for the rest of your life, but just definitely recognizing you know if you can keep yourself going with some sort of regularity and maybe challenge yourself to do something like a 30-day sex challenge every once in a while, uh, that can definitely make it a lot easier to just keep that momentum going. So let's talk about the other side of the coin. When when you haven't been having sex and maybe it's been a month or two or three or six mm-hmm. or a year mm-hmm. and getting back from that Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can definitely be challenging. You know, the more time goes by, the harder it feels to start being intimate again and the harder it feels to start opening up those conversations again. So I, I can definitely empathize with how tricky that can feel. The thing that you need to really recognize is that it's just going to keep getting harder. So it's really important to try to muster up the courage to start opening up a conversation with your partner as soon as you can. So if it's been something, you know, more like on a month or a couple of weeks or something like that, you probably don't need to have a big conversation about it. But if we're talking more like six months or a year, then you're probably going to want to try to open up a conversation first um, and just talk to your partner about um, what what it's been like to feel like intimacy has sunk to the bottom of your priorities list and to really talk about what you miss about feeling so connected with your partner and what you'd like to work back towards. So if, yeah, if it feels too tricky to, you know, you're thinking about, could I even initiate sex with my partner right now? Or would that just make my blood pressure go through the roof? Maybe start by having a conversation instead. Um, It can be awkward too, to, to start having those conversations, but by you being vulnerable and sharing what your experience is with your partner, they're probably in the same sort of boat, really unsure what to do and, and how to bring it up and what to say. So it's more likely that you guys will be able to connect with each other over missing each other in that way. I, I love that. And it's, it's like so simple and so duh. And yet, um, and yet so, so powerful because I think a lot of people that I've talked to anyway, who get into that space, it's like, well, I don't, I don't necessarily, it's been such a long time. I don't, I don't want to just like go try to start initiating sex. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because then that just feels awkward. And then if I get shut down, then it brings up all of my rejection stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I get frustrated and I get angry and all the things that it can lead to. And so I think just that it's so simple, just having a conversation or a series of conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, it might take many conversations if you're at the point where it's been a while, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but it's so powerful. Words are so powerful. Communication is so, so powerful and so underestimated when it comes to sex. It's like we separate them, right? We, it's like words don't necessarily have a place in sex, 
and, and vice versa. When it's like that communication piece, if you don't have that, and as far as I'm concerned, you don't have much of a sex life. Yeah, absolutely. Communication is just so essential. And and again, I think it, you know, sometimes when we just open our mouths and share the fears that are really lurking in our hearts, it makes those fears dissipate when we're just able to acknowledge, here's where I am right now and here's what I'm feeling right now. And I do think, you know, more often than not, your partner can empathize to you and relate with at least something that you're feeling. You know, so maybe your partner's going through something that's different than what you're going through, but there might be that that central element of you're both missing each other. And I think that's another issue that we get into with sex is that we have this tendency to think that it's just about sex. And so sometimes we can judge ourselves or our partner about, you know, it hasn't been that long and sex isn't that important. There are other things that are more important. There are other things that our our time is needed for. But we really need to recognize that sex is not just about sex. It really is about connection. Um, And it's a way of of us showing our love and our caring and our affection for our partner. So if we can start talking about it in those terms, where maybe you're not even mentioning the word sex in that first conversation, if it's, you know, really been a long time where it's saying, you know, I miss you. I miss feeling really close to you. I feel like we're, you know, two ships in the night just sort of passing each other by. Um, You know, that can be a really great way to start opening up a conversation. Yeah, and and being willing to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's talk about initiation. Oh yes, because <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a big one that people can get stuck on, right? Mm-hmm. What are yeah. what are some of the most common things that you've seen when it comes to initiation in terms of people? people's discomfort with initiation or the most common pitfalls that people fall into? Yes. So I think most of us are at least some degree of uncomfortable with initiation. And the reason why is because it's a really vulnerable act. You know, anytime that we ask our partner for anything that we want, whether it's inside of the bedroom or outside of the bedroom, you put yourself in a position of being able to be turned down and nobody ever wants to be turned down. So just, you know, putting ourselves out there in that way, it feels so, so vulnerable. So I think it's super important for us to recognize that it's it's okay to have that vulnerability and vulnerability is always going to be a part of your relationship no matter how long you've been together how close you are how much you love each other it's just you know it's kind of the price of admission for being in a great relationship so one of the main things that i see for people is because we all have this discomfort around initiating a lot of times we try to initiate in these kind of roundabout ways or sometimes even make a joke out of it where we're trying to sort of distance ourselves from it a little bit so if i'm just you know i'm initiating with my husband and i'm just kind of making a joke out of it if he says no i can play it off as oh well i, I wasn't really asking for it i was just joking about it um, one of the most classic examples of this that I hear about from my clients all the time with a heterosexual couple is the woman will tell me, you know, he just comes up and he just grabs my boobs and, you know, squeezes them or makes this like honk, honk kind of noise. And it's, you know, it drives sexy. women crazy. Never, I've yet to meet a woman who loved to be initiated <laughs> in that way. Um, so I think, you know, we're, we're trying to minimize the blow of that vulnerability, but it's really important to ask ourselves am I initiating sex in a way that my partner would actually want to say yes to? So, you know, the the vast majority of the time, people are like, 
No, I wouldn't say yes to the way I'm initiating. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like an invitation. It doesn't feel enticing. It doesn't feel exciting in any sort of way. So and just to yeah. circle back around to this communication piece, how are you going to know if you're initiating in a way that your partner would want to say yes to unless you communicate with them about it Absolutely. and have a conversation? Yeah. So a super practical thing that you can do is have a conversation totally outside of the bedroom, separate from sex, but ask your partner, what are three ways that I've initiated sex with you in the past that you enjoyed or ways that you think you would enjoy having sex be initiated? So it's opening up a conversation, talking about initiation, and it's also going to give you specific ideas for how to initiate, um, and they're going to be things that you know your partner will like. So that really takes away a lot of the vulnerability from it. So if maybe your partner says, you know, I really like it when you when we text back and forth, you know, during the day, and you tell me, you know, when I get home tonight, here's what I'm going to do to you. That's a specific example, something that you could do that very day. Um, so it takes away a lot of the um, a lot of the fear around it to have a specific idea that you know your partner will enjoy. Which, by the way, the texting thing, I think for a lot of people, the the anticipation factor mm-hmm. is a real turn on. And oh so, yes, I mean yes. she just gave you all a really great tip there. Yeah. Anticipation in general is such an important tip. And this is one of the things that, you know, people always talk about at the beginning of our relationship, like everything felt so easy. It was so natural, so spontaneous. And what I like to point out is that even in the beginning of a relationship, we are putting so much effort into creating a lot of anticipation. So you're, you know, you're scheduling dates with your partner, you're having flirtatious exchanges over email or text, you're, you know, preparing yourself. Like that was one of the most fun things for me when I started dating my husband is getting ready for our dates. I could spend hours getting ready for the date and like picking out my outfits, getting myself all psyched up, doing little dance parties in my bedroom, you know, so that was actually a tremendous amount of effort that we put in at the beginning stages of our relationship. It's not spontaneous or effortless. So that's something that we can think about now too. It's like, what were those things that used to get me so excited about seeing my partner? What were the ways that we built up anticipation together, the ways that I built up anticipation within myself, because that's that's just one of the best ways to bring that spark and that passion back into your relationship. So let's talk about kids for a second. I know that you and your husband, at least from what I could tell you guys, don't have children. We do not. We have fur babies. <laughs> but, um, but I'm sure you've worked with clients who have children because that's a big children can often become a huge excuse absolutely for why we stop having sex or why sex has to become rote or routine or efficient like you were talking about in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like you said, I don't have any children. So I've worked with people, you know, plenty of clients who have. Um, and so I just want to, you know, sort of acknowledge, I don't know what that experience is like personally. Um, but I do know that a lot of people, um, you know, yes, your kids do take up a lot of your time and a lot of your energy, but we definitely can make excuses about not having anything left in the same way that we can make excuses about, you know, works taking all of our energy or, you know, our, our, we've got some family drama that's going on that needs all of our attention. 
And so I think it's important for all of us to recognize, yes, we all have busy lives, we all have full lives, but we also have to be really intentional about how we spend that time and that energy and, you know, and to create the space for the things that really are important to us. So maybe at the very, very early stages of, you know, when you have an, an infant, it's just really, really tricky to prioritize anything above an infant. But if you've got a kid who's, you know, a, a little bit older, who can, you know, sometimes have some alone time by themselves, who can have conversations about, you know, mom and dad sometimes lock the door or mom and mom or dad and dad. Um, you know, th there's definitely ways to carve out time for yourselves. And I also think it's super important to, you know, our children need to have good role models um, in their yeah. parents. You know, they need to see what does a healthy, loving relationship look like. And again, there's there's all kinds of different stuff about age appropriateness. But I think you know, seeing two parents who are in love with each other and passionate about each other, like that's a really beautiful gift for a child to to receive. Yeah, and one one uh, one turnaround that I have found really super helpful for myself. And I've used this with other moms in particular that I've worked with because you, and it's something that you mentioned when we started talking about this is about the like feeling like you have nothing left. And mm -hmm. if we're really truly honest with ourselves, when we have satisfying sex, it's regenerative. It mm -hmm. gives us energy. It doesn't take energy away from us. And so I think that there's, we can create this like super big obstacle in our mind of like, oh, to have sex, I have to put out a ton of energy. And I just want to say to all the listeners out there, like, first of all, if that's true, there's like a number of things that need to get revisited in terms of your sex life, if that is actually true for you. Yeah. Um, because sex should be a, a regenerative and replenishing experience. It should not be a depleting experience for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it even loops into bigger conversations about self-care too. And I think a lot of, I hear from a lot of moms in particular who feel like they have to give everything to their children. And sometimes I think about, you know, is that the kind of model that you want to set for your child? Do you want to teach your child that they need to sacrifice all of themselves for the people that they love? Or that women are supposed to do that. Yes, exactly. And only the women are supposed to do that. We don't get any sort of questions, you know, about this kind of stuff from, from men. But um, yeah, or do you want to create a model for your child of, of showing, you know, yes, we take care of the people that we love and we also take care of ourselves. Because, you know, if we, if we don't take care of ourselves, we have nothing to give to the people that we love. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Um, I really, really want to um, appreciate you and thank you for taking the time out of your day to come in and talk with us today. Are there some, some tips or some things that we haven't discussed yet that you feel like would be really useful for our listeners to hear? Oh my gosh, I could probably just keep going for <laughs> the rest of the day. The <laughs> like, let me rattle through all my different tips. <laughs> um, you know, let me let me think of. Um, well, since we were talking about initiation, um, I think that another really important aspect of it is I like to think of the flip side of the coin is what I call consideration. And that's how we consider when our partner initiates with us, if we decide if we're going to say yes or no to our partner or something else, some other sort of response. And so I think that's another really great 
thing to have a conversation with your partner about is, you know, what do we want to do when our partner initiates with us? Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, uh, well, there are a couple, <laughs> there are a lot of different things. So one thing is um, for yourself, trying to get clear on what do I need to give myself in order to decide whether or not I'm open to intimacy? So I think a lot of us, we go with our immediate gut reaction in that second. Like, am I wildly turned on in this moment? Then I'm a yes. If not, then I'm a no. And I just don't think it's realistic that like your partner is going to be turned on and excited and wanting to be intimate. And it just magically happens to be at the exact same second that you're turned on and interested and ready to be intimate. So really recognizing like it's okay. Not only is it okay, but it is, you know, really going to happen the vast majority of the time that you're not in the mood in the moments that your partner initiates. So thinking to yourself, yeah, is is it that maybe I give myself a little bit of time to consider it? Is it maybe that we spend a little bit of quality time together doing something non-sexual and then I see if I feel into it? Is it that we get started doing something physical and I see if I'm interested in going further? So sort of considering what is it that I need to help myself make a decision that I feel good about? Yeah, I love that. And then also, I th- something you were just saying really sparked for me, like acknowledging that you don't have to have like orgasm be a goal in sex too. Like, oh yes, like sex can be just a journey and an exploration. If there's nothing that the the thirty day sex challenge has not taught my husband and myself is that like there are so many different ways to have sex and mm-hmm. and. It, it does not have to be about orgasm and that does not, that does, that doesn't check the box. You know, that's, that's not the one that's like, okay, I had an orgasm. Therefore sex is complete. Yes. Um, yeah. I think orgasm is one of the ways that we end up creating that really narrow <laughs> definition of what sex is, is that we just get so focused on the orgasm. And it's like, let's get maximum efficiency. How do we get to the orgasm the fastest? Um, and I, and don't one get of my me wrong. Orgasms are great. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> orgasms are great, but they're, you know, they're definitely ways that we can, they can get in, uh, get in our way. And yeah, one of my main specialties is working with women who have never had an orgasm or who struggled to orgasm with a partner and, and having that definition of sex is just really awful for these women. It causes a lot of anxiety of, you know, well, but what happens if I can't get there? Um, so I think that we really need to rethink the ways that we look at orgasm and, um, and treat it in our relationships. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, again, just thank you so much. Um, you are a wealth of information and wisdom <laughs> and everyone listening would do themselves a giant favor to go check out your work in more in depth because there's so, so, so much that you have to offer. And I just want to thank you for that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We love you. We could not be where we are without your support. If you have any questions or topics that you want to hear more about, please, please, please reach out. You can contact us through the website, superpowerexperts.com. If you want to explore how to play with us in a deeper way, how to explore and hone your superpowers, you can go to superpowerexperts.com forward slash programs and discover our offerings there. And until next time, 
go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.